computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Cranges Pick Basketball. Damn, I just got back from a little vacation from this team. Felt great. Came back rejuvenated, only to come back to this minnesota game whatever that was um but before we dive into that tim uh rest in peace staples center if only staples sold sold more staples to you people we could have avoided this crypt crypt keeper scenario the lakers were already old i feel like if they're going to you know i know if aeg is going to sell the rights to staples they gotta like you know get in touch with the lakers just so they don't have like the crypt keeper mummy like you know uh team going when they rename the stadium so that twitter can laugh at us all day feels i think we should lean into it i i think it needs to be like uh like i don't know like death valley or i don't know these different like football stadiums they have like names for the venue that's supposed to be like demonstrative and intimidating like welcome to the crypt (laughs) like i don't know lean into it i want some pillars i want dust i want Ominous music. I want like dark lights. I, I want I don't know skeletons walking around. <laughs> let's get freaky with it, Tom. We're not good anymore, so let's just let's be fun. Well, it sure feels like skeletons are already around, Tim. Because every time that this team comes out of the third quarter, they look like either they've already know they've won the game and they're so far ahead. There's no way this team. You know what I mean? Like their mindset is so unprepared and unfocused. It's not just preparation, it's the focus too. It's doing the simple things you were doing in the first half that were working with the same energy and effort and conviction. And that's not even coming out. Um, this has been a problem for three years to varying degrees. Uh, it definitely reared its head a little bit in the bubble, but they were able to get on top of that and really turn things on for the for the finals and the playoffs. But this lack of adjustments we've seen from Vogel and his various assistant coaches now with Fisdale, you know, presumably a big part of the the scheming and game plan. This is just like is frankly unacceptable. And I don't know else how else to put it. And I'm not going to talk about Frank Vogel losing his job anymore because that's no one wants to talk about that. That's the result. But these are the symptoms of the disease that we're going to talk about, Uh, you know, instead, like the just lack of preparedness. And in his defense, I think this, you know, even 15, 16 games in, it's an objectively terrible roster to hand a coach like Frank Vogel and expect success. I don't think he was set up for success, Tim. I believe between roster construction, I mean, the, the real roster construction issue was just like positionally, we don't have wings. Yeah. Uh, and seems important. Injury, that plus injuries, very important, do matter. We've had a pretty short rotation past couple weeks just due to guys being out, Reeves out, LeBron out. All, all these different guys sitting, missing time. THT's finally back. Reeves should finally be back soon. 
some of those like fresh legs it's only we're like less than what 20 games into the season and we're looking at this Lakers team and like shit like these guys from an adjustment standpoint they're they're playing uh, you know it's it's the scene in Star Wars where Obi-Wan's like Anakin I have the high ground and like they're gonna try it anyway but like you're you know your odds are low right there um and you're fighting an uphill battle schematically and then the way this offense has been able to get going when they're not winning that half court battle is through transition. But when you're tired, you're tired, you're not getting out into transition as much. So some of it I think is leg. Some of it, I don't know that it's effort. I don't see like, Oh man, this guy, you know, just really, he gave up on this play. Like he stopped chasing a guy in transition. Like those sorts of like very obvious, he wasn't trying moments. I'm not seeing, I'm seeing a lot of we're being out schemed and that's, making it really tough to execute and and perform at the levels that we're hoping we can perform. So it's it's troublesome. Uh, I watched recently one of the the backstage Laker episodes where they were going through like the coaching staff preparing for a game. And just like Frank Vogel has talked about previously, it seems very collaborative. And of course, they're showing us what they want to show us. And it's only like one game for like a minute, maybe total, a couple minutes total. But, you know, what what's what's our starters going to be today? What are our starters going to be today? And he'd, like, ask all the coaches in the room, and they're like, ah, oh, we'll do this and that. And then he's like, oh, yeah, yeah I like that. Uh, it, you know, how are we going to defend Damon CJ in ball screens? Okay, well, if we ice them, they're going to do this. If they have an empty corner and, and Nurkic is popping, do we want to rotate all the way from the other side of the court, or do we switch that? How, you know, okay, because of that, we're going to do this instead. So just hearing through how – you know, detailed they are defensively was really interesting. And we heard Frank call, you know, he said, we want to be the most prepared team in the NBA. And that's my promise to the players I make every year. He said that explicitly. And defensively, I think they're doing a great job. I think they're running the right coverages. I think guys are in the right roles. I think they're making just about the most that they can of what's not a good defensive roster, big picture. Offensively, it's almost like they're not, they just don't have, that's not where their focus is. It's like they're missing somebody to, be doing that and focusing on that. And in that same backstage Laker video, we heard David Fisdale from uh, Vogel be called their like de facto offensive coordinator. So some of this, a big, I think a big piece of this is on him and we've seen some smart concepts, but like it's, he's in a position where Frank said he makes in-game suggestions, helps with play calling. That is stuff that at his previous stops offensively, the New York teams were not very good schematically. Um, in Memphis, they were not very good. When he was an assistant in Miami, champion-level assistant, really good defensive input. Offensively, that wasn't really his his responsibility. So it's you know putting a square peg in a round hole in terms of skill set there. That you know it's not that like I'm really upset with Fisdale and and you know he's a bad guy and he needs to do a better job. But like I don't know that this is the best match for his skill set, and they just need another offensive mind in there to to help you know bring some attention to some of these things that like, it just seems like they're, they're not looking at. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, that's fair. It's all fair. I, what's how many offensive minds does it take to get Russell Westbrook not to take an 18 foot jump shot with 22 seconds left on the first, the shot clock. Yeah. So, so those are going to continue happening. That's the thing too, is it's, it's not just one thing. The issues right. the Lakers have aren't just one thing. It's not just injuries. It's not just fatigue. It's not just player tendencies. It's not just scheme. It's a big mix of factors. The lack of continuity due to injuries is one big piece of it. And then the lack of continuity due but to the like the team yeah. saying, you know, right. we're going to play smaller now. DeAndre, you're benched 80 more at the five. That's a team driven approach change. That's not injury, you know, not a result of injury. So 
you know, you have to run a different playbook with and, four guard lineups. And and I think what you're arguing there, Tim, is not that we should be playing DeAndre, but that you're changing from a continuity you're trying to build with DeAndre. So it's like mm-hmm. if you were going to change from DeAndre, you should have done it two weeks ago at least. Right. Which is why we're all screaming at our TV when he doesn't put the effort in in multiple effort plays. And frankly, Tim, this should have happened sooner. Dwight should have been playing more sooner. It's obvious to see. Now, maybe he's banged up a little bit here and there, too, with the neck injury and, and this and that. But it, it's it's to your point, it's, uh, you know, in, uh, consistency that's been forced upon you. But then inconsistency that you're putting upon yourself to make yourself even less you know, continuity, uh, within the building. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we've got a lot of fires going on right now. I'm going to go play with some matches. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like you you gotta, you know, put out some of it, you know, build some traction and then, and then take care of stuff. And looking at Dwight's minutes, he played nine minutes against San Antonio. He played 13 minutes against Chicago. We were advocating, advocating for more Dwight minutes, maybe at the expense of Deandre. We haven't even seen that. It's just been more guards where LA is just smaller and that's going to hurt their rebounding. Uh, maybe it'll help them in transition. Maybe they're going to find matchups better, but they're they're right now still trying to figure out who they are offensively. And we can kind of see that, but it didn't feel like they knew who they were offensively a couple games ago, a week ago, two weeks ago. So it's not that we're starting from like, all right, we've worked this up to like a B plus and now we're starting over. It's like they were hovering at like a D and now they're starting back over at, you know, starting from scratch. So it's, it's tough, Tom. And especially seeing how much the Lakers are getting killed in third quarters. That that really bothers me. That is mm-hmm. when it's the same team, doesn't matter who it doesn't seem to matter who's playing, but relative to all the other quarters, the Lakers are getting murdered in third quarters. And with no other info, you might say, okay, I think this might be an adjustments thing. Or maybe the guys aren't, you know, trying hard enough. Or you can have a couple theories. Looking at the film, three games in a row the Lakers have been out schemed where at halftime or to start games, especially at halftime, the opposing team has made tweaks and the Lakers just have not responded. And they're playing, you know, all of a sudden the ground is shifting and instead of it playing on a, a neutral playing field, you're fighting an uphill battle for that second half. So that, and I can dig into specifics and I have on Twitter and I, I try to, you know, show my work as much as possible. So it doesn't just look like I'm complaining about things or I'm like, ah, you know, Frank Vogel's bad here, you know, here's, Here's why he's like, I'm showing the actual, like, this is what the other team did. Here's why it worked. Here's what maybe the the Lakers could do moving forward. And it's been, you know, three games in a row where it's like they've been pantsed at halftime. And and it it's hard to run when you're pantsed in this, you know, marathon of of a season. So it's it's disappointing, but there's still plenty of games ahead of them. And if they can make a couple tweaks, I think they'll be in in decent shape, especially with guys getting back. And we saw THT have a great impact. The, the one game he was back and, and you know, put up some great scoring numbers. Some of it wasn't garbage time, but like he was doing a really good job. And you can see on both ends of the court how he'd helped this team. Oh, my God. Yeah. When he can get to the rim and, you know what I mean, kind of create his own shot. It's just what the, that you know, bench mob needs a lot of times when sometimes yep. it's Rondo holding the ball for 15 seconds of possession. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe Melo gets a little flare screen three, but probably not. You know, it's it's less yep. consistent when, to have a guy like THT who can actually get his own shot. And I'd like to see him play make a little bit more here because he's mostly just looking to score buckets right now, which I get. Um, it's just something I think that a those lineups could use a lot of and, and B, I think that he's capable of. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, THT being back in the lineup uh, now for two games. 
he's he's been good right he's been good now it's not enough sample to really know where he fits among you know the impact on off staffs yet but i just wanted to really quick tim update everybody on where you know clean the glass filters at the garbage time where they are an offensive defense 24th offense 104.8 which frankly seems high if you would have asked the, me the guess, Lakers I would have said team. 27th or lower uh, because of how it feels sometimes. But they've had some good games, too, obviously, with LeBron playing some of the games so mm-hmm. to this point. And in this margin of sample, one game can move you up five to ten spots in, in either way if you really have a good one or a bad one. Um, but you should so, still be better. You should still be better. Of course. You've got AD. You've got and, Russ. Like, yes. you got to be better than Mello that. shooting it's, the lights out and you're still 24th. Um, yep. You know, it's it's all bit it's been bad. It's been bad to watch. And this team, not only is it bad to watch, it's not, it doesn't feel like chemistry is building right now. Um, it you know, it still feels I was taking a look at Russ's last year uh, synergy page. And it's kind of similar in a lot of ways, except he's not doing as well at the <laughs> things he was doing well last year. Yeah. Dude, he's not finishing at the rim well at all. Yeah. I, we just did our, our finishing talent data basketball index, and he's getting to the rim really well. He has been a very, very poor. He's been one of the league's you know largest underperformers on shots once he's at the rim, considering his shot difficulty. So that's 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 accounting for the shot difficulty. That's just him not being up to his standard. And I don't know if that's mm-hmm. an age or an athleticism thing or it's just a small sample thing, but as long as he's you know, one, we could talk about opti- optimization, but performance just within the context, it hasn't quite been there for him. And that's that's concerning. And that's really going to hold this team down. Yeah. OK, so <laughs> I'm going to tell some uh, the Lakers fans what they already know. I mean, the, the Russell Westbrook isolations are bad. So in the pick and roll, including, including passes this year, he has 234 points on 233 possessions that's good he's getting efficient shots both for either him or passing it off right including the pass outs i don't know including the passes including the passes but that's that's why he's there right he's a good playmaker uh and that's in in theory who can help elevate an ellington and a you know austin reeves and other guys who maybe aren't at the level of creating for themselves okay 70th percentile that's fine it's not amazing it's it's fine Mm mm-hmm Isolations, including passes, he has 54 points and 75 possessions, 0.72 points per possession and 19th percentile. Yuck. Not good. Um, Overall in isolations, 47 points, 58 possessions, just shooting 31st percentile. Um, It's it's been bad. And frankly, like overall, he's 0.778 points per possession, which is very bad. This is very bad, except he's shooting great in the 17 to three range, like mid range. That's he's like 70 some percentile everywhere else. Threes uh, like to the rim. He's like 20th percentile. So it's it hasn't looked good for him um, and it hasn't seemed everyone's saying he builds with with the season. Uh, I don't discount that, but it's he is Russell Westbrook right now. He's doing Russell Westbrook things. And there's not really I don't see the rest of the Lakers fitting around that at this time and maximizing that building that. But, you know, LeBron's still out, I guess. I don't know. It's it's tough. He given LeBron being out like he has to carry a good bit of the load and hopefully THT back, you know, balances this out a little bit. But here you have two guys who get to the room well and 
aren't good, like, off-ball spacing threats. And there were times last game against Chicago where AD's getting double-teamed, and his weak side, you know, kick-out options where there's a 2v1 numbers advantage are, like, Russell Westbrook and, uh, I don't know, uh, Avery Bradley or, like, THT and Russ or, like, just these groupings that, like, the defense of all of the options, they're probably okay with THT shooting a three against, uh, you know, a closeout coming from his side that he, where he's kind of lightly contested. That is so much better than letting AD go to work one-on-one. So dealing with those situations, and it's all situational. It's not as much like this is a set play. It's how do we defend or how do we counter when teams do this against post-ups or against isolations? Uh it's all situational basketball and you just have to build in those automatic principles where if they do this, then we do that. And none of it's too difficult. We see college teams doing this. I've seen high school teams doing this. You just have to be organized with it and purposeful about it. Um, Cause off ball, you've got guys out here that are good and should be playing, but together there's not much real like spacing, like gravity involved. And then on ball THT and Russ are two guys that in ball screens, they should be good. If you get them those North South, like flat screen so they can attack downhill. When you're not doing that, they're, both of them are way less effective. So that is one simple concept that should really help elevate the performance of each of these two players. So something I'm hoping to see, It's not, THT isn't a unique problem for the Lakers. They can copy and paste some of the stuff they're trying to do to help Russ to him in order to help him elevate what he's doing for this team. Okay, so you want you want some some lineup data on some of these guys? Uh, with THT, THT lamps, AD. Ah, he's barely played. 50, 50 possessions. What? It's the f- sixth most. No, it's the fifth most used uh, lineup this season. Tim, Taylor Horton Tucker's serious? in. Yeah. How many? Wait, how many games does he play? Fifty. He's played two games. Two so games. games. So he maybe has, he's in the fifth. Most they're used trying lineup? to build. Yes, he's in the fifth most used lineup per clean the glass. All right, tell me about uh, this lineup. Okay. Anthony Davis, Carmelo Anthony, Taylor Horton Tucker, Avery Bradley, Russell Westbrook. Uh, those were the starters, right? Can I for those guess? Games. Can I guess? Please do. Good, good defense, really awful offense? No. Really? Oh, okay. No. What's the look like? I mean, one of those is yes. Okay. But you have to tell me which one now. All right. So the, I'm, I'm assuming the awful offense is the correct. Yes. And then just the defense is, hasn't been up to the standard we won probably because THT and mellow, you know, <laughs> off ball rotating cadets. isn't very good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this lineup, AD mellow, THT, Bradley, Russ, 50 possessions. They have a negative 16.4 differential, 104 points per hundred possessions on offense and 120.4 points on defense. <laughs> Oh, okay. So teams are, you know, the Death Star Golden State Warriors when they play this lineup. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is not even the worst, you know, lineup with like 30 possessions. But okay, so that's one lineup uh, I was looking at. I wanted to see kind of where he was playing. Um, you have so four far. poor three-point shooters in that lineup. <laughs> the only I, I, good three-point shooter in that lineup is Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. Um, and he's been even kind of streaky, right? He's had a couple cold games recently as well. Um, yep. Next THT lineup here, we have Dwight Howard, THT, Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, Russ in 18 possessions. Uh, good, better. Uh, 133 offense and 66.7 defense in 18 whopping possessions. 
basketball index does not approve this message. <laughs> like that, that is a tiny has sample size. It's tiny, um, but this is look, he's gonna be featured greatly. So it, it would be nice to see what lineups would work and what lineups wouldn't. And guess what? Shooting helps. So hang on. You said Russ, THT, Dwight, Monk, and Ellington? Yeah. So he's like the power forward in that lineup? Yeah. All right. I mean, That's, again, it's he's going to be the point forward kind of of that lineup, I guess. I mean, I know Russ is on the court. That would be nice to have like a, an Austin Reeves or someone. So THT really could handle the ball and have a little bit more shooting and secondary creation. Mm-hmm. But you know, so that's where it's like Russ and THT. Why are we doing this again? Is this like Rondo and and uh, and T and Russ all over again with a little bit different, you know, complications? It, it could be. I don't know. THT is a much better off ball threat than than Rondo is, at least as like a cutter. And if you're using him as a power forward and he's like doing any of his work cutting from the wings or, or in the dunker spot or something like that, it could make some sense. Although if he's a power forward and, and you're defending him with a, a, a bigger player, like there's no reason to put him in the dunker spot and allow a larger defender to be in that area. It, it's, I don't know. My answer for this is my answer for most things. It really depends on how these guys are used. This can work. You just have to do, you have to just approach it the right ways and you got use guys in the right situations and, run the right plays and run the right actions. And I don't trust that at least so far, we haven't really seen that done with consistency. I don't trust Frank Vogel to put the right guys around the right guys. So I just want to see early what's going on here. And you know what I mean? And again, Dwight, Dwight helps in that because I think if with some of these weak guys with Monk, with Ellington, with even Russ, sometimes kind of not being able to stay on the point of attack, Dwight's been cleaning up a lot, man. Dwight's been good, you know, in these Mm -hmm. short bursts, he's really you know, defending the rim. He is the player that we talked about in the offseason where some of these guys, these other guys haven't quite been up to their strengths. And by God, Avery Bradley's been bad the last week. Um, it's probably been yeah. going on longer than that. I was looking on the point differential for each on off guy. Avery Bradley's by far the worst. His defense has been pretty good, though. That's, like, negative. I don't know what the numbers say okay. for the defense. How, but How many minutes do you think he has? I don't know. 311 okay. minutes. Okay. Negative 19 differential with Avery Bradley on the court. Okay. That's not good. What's what's the defense look like? The defense uh he they give up uh 7.2 more points per 100 possessions when really? Avery Bradley's on the court. Jeez. And it, you know, he's Wayne the point of Zach bad there too he's right you know above avery bradley with less minutes but um i mean how how are you feeling with the ellington over uh kent bazemore minutes which you know you were holding down the kent bazemore is going to get fourth most minutes on this team and it's already starting to look like maybe not yeah they tried that and now he's tired (laughs) he needs he needs a short vacation (laughs) and then bring him back uh yeah so offensively if he's not hitting shots he doesn't bring anything of value and he's also one of the guys that's i don't want attacking off the dribble i don't want him trying to finish at the rim layups like he's finishing at the rim rating that we just calculated like yesterday not good at all um if he's not catching and shooting open corner threes he's not he's not doing a whole lot for this offense so when like lebron's not playing Bazemore's offensive impact is going to look worse 
and then defu take on these really tough matchups and and you know guarding point of attack one day and then guarding a wing score the other day like and then guarding power you know playing him as a power forward he's just he's handling a lot right now and the performance is dipped because of that i don't yeah i i don't think that he's been that bad though he's just missing he shots he's just missing yeah, he's shots. just missing shots defensively yeah. he's been pretty solid he yeah. uh i'm pulling up my like hand tracking here uh where the hell is he Baseball. and here well phil so, on the second he has you know they uh lakers surrender 0.7 points fewer when he is on the court Okay, and that makes sense. He's he's been okay defending ball screens. He's been really really good rotating as the first guy or as the second guy. He, I mean, he's been by the numbers that I've tracked, he's been the Lakers' best rotating player on the entire roster so far. Eighty five percent of the time, he's doing the right thing, and the fact that eighty five percent is the the number one value says a little bit. But he's been as an off ball defender pretty good. He's just not. He hasn't been all that great as a chaser, and the Lakers have better. Uh, pick and roll ball handler defenders on the roster. So he's he's but he's been okay defensively. And, and like you said, the numbers reflect that. Just if he's not hitting shots, there's nothing there. And he makes some of it like his misses are like bricking transition layups, and that definitely stands out and is unacceptable and is is contributing to the perception. Um, so I think the combination of Ellington and THT coming back is going to mean we see less base. Though I wouldn't be surprised if. Like a week from now, we start seeing his minutes ramped up again if he gets some like rest in between now and now and then. Because I, I do think his legs are not quite where they were previously. Dude, some of these lineup like you know machinations are just hilarious. You're like, oh, here 25 possessions minus 54, um, and it. But it it's it, like I can see a lot of these just being those huge third quarter like. 12 of these minutes were the Minnesota third quarter and 12 of these minutes were yep. the, the OKC third quarter. You know what I mean? And the, mm-hmm. all this data is so loud, but it's not, it's, we're getting out of small sample size for teams, right? We're just like 20, a quarter of the way no. through the season. No. Yeah. No. But, but when your team is a fucking hot mess and you have 80 different things going on, everything's small sample, everything's loud. Yeah. But it's, like you look at another team who's got consistency going on and their numbers are going to be stable probably mm-hmm. compared to the, the end of the year relatively more than yeah. this Lakers data is is insane, Tim. I don't know how to read all this because it's so – yeah, it's just really loud and really small. The answer is I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I would – it's, it's good to see what has happened, but I wouldn't make decisions off of it. I think every single game – you know, with the Lakers lose a game by 15 points. And then sometime that night, somebody's like, oh, well, this lineup played four minutes and had a 180 offensive rating. Like, that doesn't mean anything. They played four minutes. Um, we can't chase. Well, it's the difference between awful and better. Yeah, but it's the, the samples are so tiny that, like, there's so much luck involved. It's just the, the data itself is super meaningless. I care more about, like, all right, what should work? What combinations, you know, this looks like it has a chance to work, not just with whether or not the shots are going in or not, but like the skill combos with the group on the court, which guys are filling which roles. Oh, this group doesn't have a good point of attack defender. That's going to be an issue. Or this group doesn't have a primary ball handler. That's going to be an issue. Or there's no shooting in this lineup. That's going to be an issue. Those sorts of things I think can help us evaluate what we're looking at in a more predictable way and try to follow what Vogel's reasoning might be moving forward. I don't don't think they're looking at like – tiny samples of lineup data and in saying all right this is how it will be 
I mean, they could look on the court and say, like, we're getting mm-hmm. we're getting just demolished by this this Russ Russ uh, Russ Rondo lineup or this DeAndre. <laughs> Three Russes. You know, oh the Russ, 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 Russ. Rondo. <laughs> I feel like he has three players something. out there sometimes and not in a good way. Yeah, sometimes um, in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. It's I guess what what I'm trying to get at is the larger theme of this team so far is just the chaos. It's this it's pure chaos. There's no continuity being built, it seems, and the lack of continuity leads to lack of chemistry, leads to, you know, this t- season barely feels like it started at all yet. And do I yep. think the Lakers could walk into the playoffs as a five seed and click the last, you know, six to eight weeks of the season and be a real championship? But search, I still do. It's like exceptionalism pod, baby. Uh, yes, I do still believe that path could exist. But, you know, we haven't seen Kendrick Nunn. We haven't seen, you know, Trevor uh, Reza yet. Reza, yeah. um, we got Shondi Brown, Chaos Time incoming with Siku Dumbaya Sha- getting yeah. cut. She, woo! <laughs> that's, so, that's what we were hoping for. <laughs> so, you know... It's it's still definitely a lot of balls in the air with this team, but the ones that yep. have landed have deflated. Yeah, it, it hasn't been good. There's so much time left, but by the time they do get it clicking, whatever whatever that happens to mean, if the Lakers are like so far down in the standings, like it's you're in a tough situation. You don't want to go into the playoffs as like a six seed or a seven seed. Well, to be or fair, anywhere the rest close of to the West is kind of all kind of on similar footing except for Golden State. Yeah, Golden Golden State's playing really, really well right now. And they should continue to play really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but everyone else yeah. is pretty closer together than they would be at this time of the year. Yeah, it's going to buy some more time, but they got to they fix some stuff, dude. It's bad. Did you see what they were doing to uh, Anthony Davis? Our poor guy, Anthony Davis, is just... I mean, I don't know why a team hasn't done this before. Or they sort of have. No, I no, mean no, to this level, to this dial, like turning it up to eleven and doing it every possession. And I think it was yeah, fifteen from times. the first play of the game, yeah. second play of the game. Why not? Yeah, I think I think like ESPN tracked fifteen. I, I forget what I had him at. It was probably around there. Um, yeah. So well, and before the Chicago game, actually in the San Antonio game, eighty first half, kicking kicking butt. He had like nineteen points in the first quarter or something. He had a bunch of points at halftime. And then second half, he had, I think, like three points in the third quarter. And he had, I think, I don't know, two points third quarter, five points fourth quarter or something like that. And two of the five points in the fourth quarter were the other team fouling him with 20 seconds left so he could shoot free throws with them extending the game. Like completely taken out of the action. And it wasn't he's tired. It wasn't he's lazy now. It was San Antonio started fronting him in the post. And they had a guy behind as lob protection if you try to lob the ball in. Someone's there to pick it off, or if he does catch it, they're there to double-team him. Um, and on any ball screens, they were swishing. And instead of just kind of like switching and then watching it happen, his new defender would really fight to get underneath him so he couldn't roll. And they would also kind of have that lob protection coming from the weak side with a an early hard tag. So it was like a very tangible schematic thing that completely took away his rolls, and it pretty much completely took away his post-ups. And Chicago... I don't know if they saw that and that changed their game plan or they had this game plan going into things, but they were double teaming him from the first play of the game. The second play of the game, as soon as you get the ball, we're going to double team from the high side and then bump the next perimeter defender over to jump that immediate like pass out. And we've seen this before, like in our tracking last season, the Lakers faced this like 50 times. Um, This season, I'd only really seen it a couple possessions and it wasn't something a team did all game, but it was that 
And then also, if he was isolating around the free throw line, they would stunt from his left or his right with the perimeter defender and, and just not let him drive. So they made it hard for him to catch the ball. They made it hard for him to roll. They were, you know, if he got caught the ball in the post, they were double teaming him. And it's all beatable stuff. And like, I mean, like I've, I've played in basketball games in high school where we did these things to other teams and they usually worked out pretty well because it was high school. Um, but there are times you get burned because the other team, you know, you're, you know, this is stuff that you can't do all the time every game because it'll expose you because there are weaknesses to it. There are vulnerabilities. So you have to kind of have an element of surprise with some of these things. Um, and we saw the Lakers seem to be surprised the entire game. And this is what the third roster with the same coaching staff, same core players, some, you know, different players around the margins, but everybody's not like, there's been a consistent lack of organization, a consistent lack of like, okay, if they double from here, this is what we do against it. And until the Lakers figure those things out, which is really what chemistry kind of is. Chemistry is when he gets the ball in the post, where should I be? What should Mm -hmm. I be doing? When, when he gets double teamed, where should I be? And either you can try to figure that out for every individual player you play with, which is tough with no continuity and all the counters and all the counters, or at a team level, you can dictate an approach and say, this is what we do. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if it's Wayne Ellington, Austin Reeves coming in for his first game playing with THT or whoever, they know what they're supposed to do is what their, what their job is supposed to be. And they know what other guys are supposed to do. And that is a way that you, instead of, you know, building chemistry organically, you set some structure and that is in essence what the chemistry becomes. So that is, that's stuff that that the Lakers can do, and and like, if you will, will allow me to do so, I uh, I was brainstorming, and I have six different ways the Lakers can beat defenses fronting AD in the post, because there are, there are a bunch of ways that they can attack this. They just haven't done anything. Um, but what you don't want is switching to take the Lakers out of their sets, which they already don't run much of, for the Lakers to only attack switches with with ISOs, and for those ISOs to be shut down with double teams that you're not countering. All of a sudden, AD is not driving because he's getting double teamed. He's not getting post scores because he's getting double teamed. He's not getting rolls because of the switching and, and them clogging up the paint when he's rolling. And what's left? <laughs> what's he going to do? Is he going to you know show, have him be the, the point center um, or him be a spot-up shooter? Those are kind of your options. If you can't run sets and he can't isolate and he can't roll and he's not going to get dump-offs if other players are, are being stunted at and doubled on drives. So you, you turn AD into a jump shooter and it, it stinks. It's not the best thing for this team. I think, and I, I, I think the blame is, is in both camps. I think it's scheme. And I think it's on Anthony Davis to some point, I think Anthony Davis turns himself into a shooter too often. Um, and what I mean by that is him settling, you know, him thinking it, for someone who I consider to be a incredibly smart basketball player, got a blind spot in his game and they won a championship with him Mm -hmm. like not thinking that blind spots there and it working and it kind of maybe ingratiated some bad habits but he's been like this most of his career shooting um and volumes only seem to go up um and the the getting to the rim's gone down now maybe it's him getting a little older no he's not old but he's you know he's got the miles on the body you know, um, he's fallen down all the time. I'm sure he's trying to protect himself to some degree in game 19 where he's like, yeah, I'll just take this midi, you know, be feel comfortable. But at the same time, 
I don't think anyone's really thought of Anthony Davis as a number one offensive option on a good team because he's not. He's a putback guy. He's the roller. He's the the garbage man who's just physically imposing. And I think I think he could be a number one if he changed his game. If an offense was built around him with the ball handling, why don't we see the the you know the ball bring the ball in his hands more, bringing the center out to him with good spacing. You're telling me he's not going to be able to get to the rim off the dribble against Steven Adams against against stunts. He won't. That's the thing is whether he's starting with the ball and a live dribble or he's catching triple threat at the top of the key or he's catching triple threat at the just beyond the elbow. He's got a guy in front of him. And I agree with you. He should be able to beat those guys more often and, and should settle less. And some of this it definitely is his tendencies, specifically the past couple games. We've seen him pushed even more in that direction because the other team is having their next perimeter defenders take an extra step over and be where, you know, be in his driving lane. So either he's going through someone and committing a foul or he's trying to like split in between two defenders, which is really tough to do. Or he's just like, okay, I'm reading and reacting. I can't drive. I've got a shot here. I'll take the shot. And he's confident in his shot. And we would say probably a little bit too confident, but when the read is okay, the drive isn't there. I don't, I don't blame him as much as I blame – like I wish the team would do something about those those stunts. Either like clear that offensive player away so they can't stunt or set a flare screen or something or cut behind it. Do something to punish that so that moving forward – it's just like with the post. Moving forward, he can truly get 1v1s. And then at that point, if he's not getting to the rim, then then we – you know, it's more solidly on him. But right now, I, I think part of it is him and, and – a part of it is is the X's and O's. Yeah. I mean, there's, again, like we've talked about, right, all the scheming principles, all the, the coaching adjustments. The players are playing the game. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So ultimately, the coach is beholden to them as far as what's executed on the court. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's, it's of course, it's both, you know, and they are mm-hmm. a team and they're going to agree on these things or, or disagree. But ultimately, it's on the player to not do those things that they are not as good at right. on the court themselves. They can be told all day until they're blue in the face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and I agree with that. I, I just think that one specific situation of I'm facing stunts happens just – it happens to AD and it happens to LeBron and it happens to Russ and it's going to happen to THT. And in those instances, if we see multiple players facing the same situation settle – then I think we can, and, and we'll have to give this some time, but I'll try to pay more attention to this. Then we can say, all right, this is a team level issue rather than like an individual thing. So AD needs to to play smarter, play better a bit and defer a little bit more. And I think having THT back is going to help him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think having more guys that he can give the ball to, having Ellington back, like there are extra players out there that can take a jumper or can go drive against a closeout. Um that, you know, he doesn't need to feel like he needs to do everything himself. Yeah, on offense, but some of those guys, when you have two to three, it's either, okay, Tim, here's the here's the equation, right? Either you have two to three non-spacers on the floor or you have two to three non-defenders on the floor. And neither, like both, one of one or the other kind of has to be true a lot with the current makeup of this team. Either you have Monk and THT or you have Wayne Ellington and Avery Bradley. Or, you know, you can, it's, yeah, it's tough. It's, it's really difficult. 
it's I've before I've like helped coaches with like their playbooks. And like one time I had a coach send me a scouting report and he was like, I have at all times, I will have four (laughs) non-shooters. Nobody can finish at the rim. I have one ball handle, and I'm like, buddy, I can't help you. <laughs> like, like, there's nothing to really work with here. You, you and can't some of these Laker lineups, jump shot. It, exactly. It's like no one's gonna, you know, everyone's gonna be clogging the paint, but we can't shoot, shoot jump shots. And, and <laughs> this feels like the NBA equivalent to that at certain times with specific lineups offensively, and then defensively, we've got some lineups out there where like Oof. if you drive and kick game's over like (laughs) wide open shot like that's all it takes it's all it takes one guy's gonna help on the initial drive that's it no no second defender no no rotation so i agree with you like it will be tough and you just have to try to make the most of it and limit those groupings but it's 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 really tough we saw it in that chicago game so many times there were two non-shooters weak side for ad to kick out to and and that just makes his job hard and we saw times he'd kick it out to like malik monk and the defense closes out to Monk and Rajon Rondo standing there and wide open in the corner or THT standing there wide open in the corner and Monk doesn't pass it to him because mm-hmm. he's like, we don't want that shot. I'd rather drive against this closeout and see what happens. So it's it's tough. If these guys don't believe in themselves, that's not really what you want, but you also want them to take smart shots. And then if they don't believe in their teammates, that's also not what you want, but you, you, know, you, you want them to make smart passes as well. So there's a balance here between who am I and who do I, who do I think I am or like who, who can I be mm-hmm. that they, they need to strike so that they're making smarter decisions about who's doing what. But like you're saying, it's, it's, there will be lineups where it's like really tough on one end or the other. Yeah. You just have to kick butt on the other side. That's yeah. the thing. And I think offensively you can probably lean more into what you have and defensively it's, it's really tough at a certain extent to cover up as many deficiencies as exist in some of these lineups. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, let's take a quick second here before we end to look forward. Uh, It looks like LeBron will be returning either Friday or within the next week or so. Um, I don't think either of us are saying this entire team is fixed with LeBron coming back, but certainly it helps having uh, two power forwards on the roster instead of one uh, in Carmelo Anthony. So, um, yeah, looking even at the data, right, we still have once that uh, I think the Cleveland game or maybe the game before that they started AD at the five. We had the AD LeBron Bazemore Bradley Russ lineup. 
which actually was competitive in a plus 1.4 differential, uh, 101.4 offense. Woof. But then 100 even uh, defense in 73 possessions. Um, I think there's something there that's probably a little bit better than we've had the last two weeks. So, you know, it'd be nice to have another four uh, to get LeBron's kind of just orchestrating the offense and having Russ be able to do Russ things in 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 the bench lineup and not you know all the time. But yeah, like you know, more doing of less of the bad good. thing. More of him yeah. training would be good. Oh, I was looking. You know how many cuts he had all of last last season per synergy? Uh, he had 12, uh, Six. 23 cuts. 23 okay. cuts last year per synergy. He already has uh, 12 this season. So, you know, nice. there's okay. that. And 15 points on 12. Uh, there we go. So, That's helpful. Yes. More cuts. More cuts, please. Yeah. I want to really quickly... <laughs> get this off my chest here's how you can beat ad being fronted in the post number oh one <laughs> number one this is the only one the lakers used uh you can attack high low where you flash another player from the opposite corner or dunker spot and get them the ball and then instead of trying to make a like long you know arcing lob pass to him you have the pass come from a much better angle you know less distance it's easy to get that ball and the lakers did this once with with tht and they scored uh Second, if they're fronting him in the post, have him go set a ball screen. And now you've just got like a big mix of bodies to, to go screen the on-ball defender. And that's going to make things pretty easy. Three, you can set uh, weak side pin downs or flare screens, uh, you know, pin in flare screens. This is what the Kansas Jayhawks, you know, go watch some J uh, Bill Self clinic videos. Go go find his diagrams. I can tweet some of this stuff out. Their offense a couple years ago was based on like, we're going to get our big guys the, the ball down low, but... Instead of trying to get in front of the defender, we want to be in between the defender and the basket, which is them purposefully trying to get the defense to front them so that they could throw in those lob passes. And then instead of needing any post moves, you don't need a jump hook, you don't need a jumper. If you catch the ball, there's the defender's on your back and the rim's in front of you, so go dunk it. That was their offense, and teams would try to sink in from the weak side and, and take those lobs away, so they would counter that with pin downs and, and flare screens. So that's number three and, and maybe four, if you count them separately. You could empty the opposite corner so that there is no defender to try to play that lob coverage and then just throw those lobs. We saw the Lakers essentially do this one play later in the game. Uh, I don't know that it was on purpose. I think it was an out-of-bounds play. But you can you know just get rid of the help. Don't let it be there. Uh, another thing you can do is just try to drive baseline. And instead of having a bad angle for the pass, you now have a much better angle and a much closer pass. And you also have 80 kind of sealing off a potential rim defender. So that is another way to get him the ball easier or attack the fact that a defender is purposefully taking themselves away from the rim. Or you can start using AD as a screener for other players on like flex screens or cross screens where somebody's moving from corner to corner and he's setting a screen at one of the blocks and if his defender is completely in front of him and not trying to help and that screen is set well at all, that player might be wide open and this is a way to get his defender playing help defense against another Laker and then suddenly AD has good position down low on the block with a guy on his back. So those are, I guess, seven uh, different ways the Lakers can attack this I mean, coverage. I mean, would, I would just reverse the ball to the other side of the court, penetrate, and then AD's got a step and yeah, space to the to the basket. Drive baseline, Tom. That was number six. Well, not baseline. It's you reverse well, the ball it, to the other side and then drive from the other wing because they're going to be two on three on that side, basically. Okay. 
right? Because they're fronting, they're fronting, <laughs> but then they're strong side zoning and pulling a guy down. Yep. So somebody on the wing, if they have any kind of spacing threat, they'll get closed mm-hmm. out to penetrate. AD's literally got a defender on his back. The guy who's doubling or, you know, strong side zoning him is going to have to step up. Lob dunk. Okay. There we go. Eight, eight options. But, I mean, you need spacing. That doesn't work. You do need spacing. And, yeah. and so. like, creation. Like, Wayne Ellington's not going to attack the close yep. out and throw a lob up, you know? Yep. Well, and the thing is, with a lot of these, if it's a, all right, when he gets the ball in the post, we're going to some sort of automatic, we're going to do this, is you can pick who's doing what. It doesn't need to be, ah, right. oh, crap, it turned out that we had THT well, and Russell Westbrook as our wait, spacers. you like, can put players in certain areas you can choose, yeah. You know succeed? how when I diagram plays, I don't just put X's and O's. I put it's one, two, Howard? three, four, five. Yo, no, no, no. You don't need Dwight Howard to be the ball handler or the spacer. What? It's, I know, right? It's crazy. I saying that's organized. You can be. I, I or so I hear. So I hear. Mm. Couldn't be me. <laughs> they, they. I think they can get this done if they can figure this out. They're in much better shape. If they take this opportunity to say, all right, you know what? We're never going to post up AD again. That's a problem. He's actually currently leading the league in points off of post-pass outs. I don't know if you knew that. That's good. Like I mean, and, and per, like per game, like per, raw well, total, or, or average? Uh, right, right, raw. right. I mean, because um, he's had a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I, yeah. And uh, they've been fairly efficient. So it's better getting than him the ball. The yeah, yeah. If, if you can either, like... And, and people giving him crap for, like, handling the double teams. Like, I don't want him shooting over the double teams. Like, I think he's gotten right so much better. Out. I think he's, he's gotten so much good. better. But not, like, perfect yet still. But from the first year we had him where he was, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, just a, a dreadful pass-out guy. Yeah, he's been – he's done a really good job. And, and his playmaking data at B-Ball Index, which we got up recently, looks pretty good. Uh, hmm. And – He's I, I think that the thing is like everybody's just kind of standing around or yeah. maybe somebody cuts and the answer isn't this always the same every time he's double seemed it really depends on where the double's coming from because mm-hmm. if they're coming from the high side and that's it cutting that man should be open if they're coming from that high side and then from the the opposite like corner that defender kind of sinks into the rim to defend the rim you're cutting towards the help and that's going to result in turnovers if you try to hit that that cut with a pass um you just have to read whether or not the advantage is with the cut or with something on the weak side with a, a cut or – I mean, you can cut, but you have to have good timing. And there will be times, and we've seen the Lakers do this, where they cut someone from the weak side. They're defended by that one – it's a two-on-one weak side. One of them cuts. The defender kind of covers the cut and then is also able to recover to the, this, the skip pass just because it's the long pass, which is why I prefer – either pin and flare screens or those violent pin and flare screens that we saw Alex Caruso do last year where he would cut into the defender as if he's cutting, but really it's just to like knock them back and make sure they have no shot of, of recovering to the skip pass. So there are options. The team has done these before. It's just recognizing and, and putting in some of that effort. And this is a really smart coaching staff. I, I think they, in general, big picture, they do a really good job defensively. They're fantastic. Um, just because we're pointing out areas for opportunity doesn't mean they're, they're they're bad or we aren't happy they're here. And with more and more dialogue around whether or not Vogel should be the coach of the team moving forward, and you're considering like the alternatives, like it's it can get a lot worse, guys. Like elite defense, we've seen some like masterclass stuff on defense in the playoffs the past couple of years, and even in the regular season, like you have to appreciate what they're doing with this roster. It's just offensively they need a little bit of help. And think about this: if Vogel is fired. 
externally, who you look, who, who's there? Who's left? Who isn't working for a team? Who's who's sitting on their couch? Not many guys. If you're doing this during the offseason, there'd be options. Right now, there aren't many options. Internally, the only option that makes sense, it's not it's not Mike Penberthy. It's not your shooting coach. It's probably not Phil Handy, player development guy. It's probably going to be David Fisdale, who has been a head coach. He's the only assistant that has been a head coach on this roster. And, uh, and you know, is currently their lead assistant. So they're not going to jump him in the pecking order. And he is currently the offensive coordinator. So if you're trying to fire Vogel in order to fix the offense, I don't know that's the move. Unless with Fizdale getting put in that spot, he brings in an external offensive coordinator, of which we're probably still looking at the same guy. I, I think one way or another, if they're to get offensive help from a big name, which knowing the Lakers, they'll probably chase, it's probably going to be Terry Stotts. Is the only, like he's the one guy that I think could make some sense that isn't currently working for a team at the college or NBA level. So if my choices are fire Vogel and hope he's hired to replace on the staff or keep Vogel and his defensive, you know, prowess and try to just add stats as a consultant or a coach advisor is what Mike D'Antoni is right now for the Pels. I, I like that second option better. So that's the way I'm generally thinking about this, whether it's stats or somebody else, like you just need somebody in there that can, organize the existing playbook and help them game plan. All right, we're playing the trailblazers. This is what they do defensively. Here are the plays that work against that. We're going to make a commitment to running these concepts this many times. And as long as it's working, we're going to keep going to it. Like that's, that's all they really need um, in order to make much more of this offense from an X's and O standpoint. And then with the situational basketball, it's like dealing with post-ups and ISO double teams, which I, I think there are a lot of people out there that should be able to help address. Um, and I mean, if Fizdale's the lead assistant, if Vogel himself said that he does a lot of the offense, uh, coordinating, what's, you know, why am I, should I believe that the team offensively will look much different if Fizdale's the head coach, exactly. if, it's a, if it's a collaborative environment, which I believe it is, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe, you know, I don't think Fizdale's withholding stuff, so it's not like, you know, yeah, like no, this isn't. So and then on the other end of things, and we've seen what his teams look like. This isn't he's not mm-hmm. a, an unknown commodity. Like we've mm-hmm. seen what his offenses have looked like and it hasn't been encouraging. I mean, we talked about this when when they when they announced him um not really having that track record. Him honestly being a little bit more of a defensive coach, which is strange mm-hmm. to, you know, at least Jason Kidd has the 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 point guard on the coach on the court experience to be able to probably communicate in a way and I'm not defending Jason Kidd. He's terrible human in my humble opinion but he probably can communicate off you know, basketball offensive uh ideas to someone like a lebron james or an anthony davis that could not only be you know helpful but get through to them um and it's not even a set kind of play it's a he does he does this you do this kind of coaching mm-hmm. you know what i mean not yeah do this 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 and that and then here are your options uh it's it's the Lakers are, you know, their offense is going to be a jazz band instead of an orchestra. They're never going to be an orchestra, Tim. They, they might not be an orchestra, but if if they're a jazz band and they're missing, shit, I don't, I don't, you, I need your help with this. What's it like an <laughs> instrument that you can't have a jazz, like if they're missing their saxophone, would that the, be like a, a, I would a say pretty bass? A, 
Okay, if they're missing their bass, bass, that'd be a pretty hurtful thing for yeah. them to just, you know, ad-lib. Whereas with an orchestra, yeah. if you're missing a key good. component, you can pick specific pieces Correct. that you as an orchestra will And, and highlight and, perform. And, and, you know, rising tide lift everything up to mm-hmm. the where it doesn't seem like something's missing. I really think yep. this analogy is really spot on because it's the chaos and what's some of the beauty that jazz can be. But when it's bad, it's bad. It's unlistenable yeah. bad. Yeah. And but the, the the structure of an orchestra, right? The the stratified responsibilities. Um, that's what you're describing in these, you know, a more intricate of offensive schemes. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not. I don't. I don't want to present it as like intricate. It's not all that hard. And I, I I try to communicate these these things as clearly as I, I can, and I, I apologize hard, if that gets lost. I think it's hard to execute. It's not hard to theorize what works, but as five people playing on a string, mm-hmm. you don't just see Golden States every day. Who's the team right. I think runs a lot of the stuff that you're talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they do more off-ball. Like, they, they have different but personnel, they, but in general, they're running sets, and they're. I think one, you know, one advantage of this though is like you're deciding who the playmakers will be. You're deciding, mm-hmm. you know, if we're going to do this, we know LeBron or Russ or THD or whoever they will be the one making the read. Whereas with the jazz band approach there will be a number of possessions probably more than we're comfortable with that Kent Bazemore is making the read or Malik yep. Monk is, you know, somewhere in between those two levels, he's making the read. And, and oftentimes that can be okay. Sometimes it won't be. Um, Dwight Howard's making a read. Like when there's that structure, you are fitting skill sets to roles in a way where with the jazz brand approach, you're relying on a roster of 15 players to each individually understand the pecking order and understand where their skill set is compared to where they think it is and you know be reading other people's minds and understand who should be where at what times and okay when this happens we need to do that mm-hmm. there's just it's, more opportunity ben, you know if for, for issues yep there's more opportunity for for issues there's also more opportunity for individual talents to look really impressive like right. when tht is out there kicking ass right and making these really tough shots it's a solo. It's like that dude is a stud because it is a solo and because if he's, you know, either yeah. you look great or you're going to crash and burn with this approach. Right. And with THT back, we're going to see more better plays. With Braun back, we're going to see more better plays. But when you do have specific lineups out there where it's like, you know, going back to last year, Dennis Schroeder, oh, he sucks. He can't play. He can't score. He's not a good playmaker. It's because he he's not a soloist. He can go run a, a scheme and, and mm-hmm. he has a degree of skill set with those areas. But when you put him in a role that's over his head, it's it's not going to turn out well. And we've seen that with some guys on this roster. So I, I like this analogy. We can keep building yeah. off of this no, as, as we see more and more. It, it's fitting, right? It's, you know, like mm-hmm. I've never I've not been in a jazz or an orchestra, but I've been, you know, a musician as a part of a group. And it's yep. not unlike playing with others and when one person is clearly the most skilled you uh create circumstances for that skill to be highlighted and showcased but if you're playing in a you know okay now it's my time and another guy thinks it's his time you know what i mean it's it's just sounds all bad and it sounds it looks like individuals on the court rather than a team yeah and extending that further because i have played it in an orchestra and i was i played the viola and it is generally not the solo item. It's generally mm-hmm. not the 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 of all the sounds. It's you want to hear the violins. You, mm-hmm. That's where the the great melodies are coming from. But I was damn good at it. Yeah. And when 
I, and I wanted to, pl- I wanted people to hear me. I wanted to play loud. It was my time. Certain, certain things. I was like, I love, you know, the music I'm playing for this song and I want to kick butt with it. But I'd be yelled at like, Tim, no, you're too loud. <laughs> too loud. Let the, <laughs> let the violins, uh, yeah. you know, take center stage. And at those moments, I was that basketball player that says it's me time. Yep. And we see that sometimes with ISO. We also see that when it comes down to like executing little things like the Lakers at times will try to run these split cuts or have these off ball screens where the screener slips every single time and they're not setting any contact because it's way more fun to be the guy slipping to the rim and catching and shooting. But you have to realize if you don't set a good screen, you're not forcing the defense to switch. You're not forcing the defense to help and you're not going to be open. So, you know, it's not the best thing for the orchestra for me to try to do too much within the piece that I'm playing. I have got to wait for the right play, the right play call, the right piece in order to, to do that. So we're seeing some of that jazz bandiness happen where not just with ISO ball, but from a, like a screen setting standpoint or some of those little nitty gritty things that help make just the structure of the entire orchestra what it is. If your yeah. violas, if your basses, if your cellos aren't doing their job, it's not going to sound good big picture. You, you need everybody playing the right position. So I I, I really like this analogy. I want to keep good. this rolling. We can keep taking it, uh, taking, it, taking it further as the season goes as we build upon yeah. our – you know, all of our different quirky analogies we come back to. So what's mm-hmm. your LEFCON level at quickly? Just to, you know, mash another one in here. Jeez. Oh, so probably with it calibrated one. to... I'm probably at a one. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'd say I'm more at like a two and a half because there are real issues. We now have a more clear picture of what the playbook looks like and the, the, exist, the issues that exist there. There's no continuity. It's not looking good in the standings right now. Like they've got a lot of issues. They've got a lot of guys that are, are hurt or playing through injuries or have recently been hurt. Um... I think real change needs to happen. And in my calibration here is with this being like, you know, the eyes towards a title. This isn't, it doesn't mean that like if I'm at a two or a one, they're going to be the 15th team in the, in the West or something right. like that. Like I'm, I'm approaching two territory because multiple, and actually this is, this is a key piece for me. Two teams in a row we've seen do the same thing, de- or not the same, but similar thing defensively. And it's completely taken AD out of his game. And if that be if more teams when they're scouting the Lakers see oh this is how you take AD out of things we're going to see more and more and more of it it's not going to be you know once a week we play a defense that's tough to play it's not like you know everyone's going to be running a triangle in two the the Warriors will run some triangle in two but you're going to see that once a month maybe once every couple months with how they've been defending AD recently that's something that's very repeatable and we can see more teams lean into it and if what happens this year is similar to what happened last year with the post help it's it's defense is highlighting an area that the Lakers haven't figured out yet. So it's it could look rough moving forward. I'm I'm interested to see how Milwaukee defends the Lakers tonight. Oh Lord. All right. Um So I'm gonna I'll say a two. What are you at? I mean, if if one is like this team's not winning a title, I'm a two. Mm-hmm. Uh okay. at, although it's it's hard to see right now, this team put it together. Uh it's far away, but it's still very early. It's November, you know, 16th yeah. or whatever, 17th. Um, so well, let's park it there for now. Um, DM us, five-star review of the pod to get into the Discord. And uh, I don't know, Tim, hit up patreon.com slash cranjus if you'd like to throw some more support our way. We've had a great month of downloads. And despite all of the Lakers, you know, difficulties, you know, we appreciate all the fans out there. Yeah, it's been great. And, and the support with with that community growing and growing has been awesome we've seen a lot more people you know go go subscribe to the patreon recently and and that's been awesome it really helps us out and 
uh, it's it's really great to have you in that Discord community. We've been chatting and chatting and chatting, and sometimes the takes might be a little bit too hot for Twitter. So I, I'll keep it to the Discord, and we'll <laughs> we'll talk right. through some things. That's it's, right. it's a much it's a safe safer place. place to vent because because then man, like I'll see people. Then you got think national like, guys dunking on you for yeah, yeah. Like, This guy's a small guy's a liker socialism. Yep. Yep. Or like I'll see every now and then like individual tweets of mine will be posted to Reddit and they'll see none of my other 40 tweets from the day. <laughs> and then you, it's really easy to like build these conceptions of who I am or who you are, or who we are based off of like a tiny little piece of information. And like that's to me is like, no, this isn't what I was trying to message. <laughs> so so like stuff like that's annoying. So keeping keeping anything that might potentially be inflammatory where, you know, it's easier to write out and flesh out and have real dialogue in that discord where you can have a conversation. Whereas on Twitter after that first tweet in a thread, a lot of people aren't going to read the second tweet. So it might be really easy to miss misinterpret what you're trying to say. Uh, so yeah, the discord is the place to be. We've been having a lot of fun and uh, just even despite the Lakers struggling a bit, we've been celebrating the little things excited about Shondi Brown. Shout out to him. We're excited for Reeves to come back. The Lakers need him. Um, yeah, it's, it's a fun place over there. Come join us. Good stuff, guys. Well, we appreciate all of you. And uh, until next time, we'll talk to you later.